if things get extreme and we do need to go outside and, you know, this becomes like serious and a lot of people are infected and it's still a chance of, of, of dying, we have no cure, then I will go outside in my damn hazmat suit. In my hazmat suit, with my mask on, with my gloves, I will come back and, you know, we know the drill. Hi, you're listening to At Home In The Mind with me, Vika. This podcast was originally going to be called On The Road In The Mind, as in February, I set off to spend the last two years of my 20s traveling the world. Two years, however, quickly turned to seven weeks as the world plummeted into crisis following the coronavirus pandemic. For me, this was a huge loss, not only because discovering the world has been something I've always wanted to do, but also because I have come to believe it essential for my mental health. Much of my 20s was spent only looking out for others, totally neglecting myself in the process. As I have slowly been re-emerging and gaining self-awareness, talking to friends and family, I have realized that everyone at some point or other in life deals with major or minor mental health issues. Now that billions around the world are stuck in their homes, many unsure how to cope in isolation, I decided to invite some for a chat to talk through current or past issues and resolutions. My hope is that by sharing these conversations, someone suffering miles away will feel less alone and better able to help themselves. The more we know, the better we can equip ourselves with the tools we need to heal and seek help. Welcome to the fifth episode of At Home in the Mind. I am in the garden again. The lovely weather that blessed us for some time is not present today. So I, I'm sorry if there's too much wind in the audio. Today is May Day, which is usually a big day in Oxford. On uh, the 30th of April, everyone goes out all night, stays up all night, and watches the Magdalen College Choir sing on top of their college tower as the sun rises, which sets a very contrasting scene to my next guest's daily life. My fifth guest is Andrew, a musician and freelance DJ currently residing all the way in New York. I met Andrew when I was volunteering in Puerto Rico, where I was struck by his openness and boundless generosity. Andrew has long suffered from depression. A big reason why he went to Puerto Rico, in fact, was to alleviate it, which, as you'll hear, it certainly did. For me too, I should add. The audio in this is better than last week, but not perfect. I am looking into better solutions, and I will hopefully be able to provide you with a sound that doesn't distract from the conversation. As always, I'd like to stipulate that we can only talk from our own perspective, fully aware that mental health issues affect everyone in different ways. Anyway, that's enough from me for now. I'll chat to you again at the end. Let's start, shall we? Andrew, welcome onto the show. Thanks so much for coming on. So nice to see your face. You too. I miss Puerto Rico a lot. It was like the last time I got to see you was right there in paradise. That was emotional, man. Really. So for the listeners out there, Andrew and I met in Puerto Rico. And yeah, it was paradise. It was amazing. We were both volunteering out there. I was just so in awe by your openness and your strength. Oh, thank you. And I know a big reason that you came to Puerto Rico was to manage your depression. And I was wondering if you're happy to talk about your depression and when you think it started, 
and also why you thought going to Puerto Rico might help? To be honest with you, I feel like it, it kind of stemmed back for a while. Like as far as like the depression, I started to see it like at a time when like I really didn't accept who I was and I was having issues with figuring out who I wanted to be and stuff. And I used to actually work as a manager. I was an area manager for cell phone stores. I made a decent living off of that. And I don't know, at a certain point, I didn't really feel fulfilled by it. Like, I didn't feel fulfilled just by making money. And even though everyone looked at me as I was doing, I guess, like the right thing in life and stuff like that, I didn't feel good. So I ended up leaving and trying out different jobs and all these different things to try to feel if like, okay, maybe it was the job that wasn't making me feel fulfilled. Let me try these different things. And mm -hmm. I searched for stability. I tried office jobs and all these different things. I, I tried going to school too. I don't know, it didn't work out for me. It, it all ties in. Basically for me, I've been struggling with finding something that makes me happy. And it kind of stretched on for like a long time. It, it's been a really long time. I would say from when I was like 18, like I had like some hints of it, some years stronger than others. My most recent, I still was struggling to find something that made me feel fulfilled. And Lily, my partner, my girlfriend that you met in Puerto Rico, she told me at first about the program itself. And she mm -hmm. told me that that's a friend of hers had told her that it was like really nice, that it was like helping out people and that that person was super happy after they went to the program. So she ended up trying it out first. And she was kind of battling with some of the stuff that I was too, in terms of finding like and purpose. And she was super happy after she went over there and she told me about all the beautiful experiences and I wanted to try it out too. So I ended up going and it was incredible. In what ways did you find that it helped? Was it simply in helping others, being of service or was there more to it? I guess what helped the most was, yeah, finding that even though the, the, the work was super tough, oh. in, in my opinion, because I've never done construction before. And it was difficult. It was hard because I don't I have my sleeping schedule as an artist. I go to sleep sometimes at 12 in the afternoon and wake up at 8 p.m. and then stay up all the way around. So it was super hard to wake up at 530 in the morning, get, ready, get all your stuff, go and take a cold shower, you know, no hot water, you know, little things that you take for granted that you have when you're home. Yeah. But to be honest with you, once we would start packing stuff and like putting stuff together and everyone is like super excited and we know that we're going to go do something for for someone to go and help someone. And, you know, that was amazing. And like on my first day, I got to go to a new house. I got to go to a new a new roof that we were working on and we got mm -hmm. to analyze it. And the owners were super happy. They were struggling before that. They had leaks all over their house and they're like super happy. They cook us meals. They're opening up to us. They're like super vulnerable. And that made me feel so happy. It made me feel like it made me feel like working hard. I don't care to work hard to make money. I mean, of course, it's important. I need I needed to eat. I needed to live. And I've made it to great financial like peaks for myself from what my goals were, but this was different. I had food, I had shelter, and then the actual work itself was super tough. But that that aspect of like seeing those people super happy and like also being in a community, you know, for me that was another thing that also helped that I felt helped me with my depression too. I felt like I started to become like a hermit. And I stopped right. going out as much. I would cancel a lot of plans and stuff like that. And um, that made me open up to people. And and that felt nice too. So it was like a lot of different aspects that I think helped. They all like cornered my depression to a little corner. Mm. You know, and of course, being in Puerto Rico was incredible too. Yeah, 
I'm totally on the same page about just the work, the routine. I'm not very good at keeping routines that I make for myself because I always set myself to high expectations and then it turns into a self-destructive bomb because if I haven't done this task by nine o'clock then nothing else will get done because the rest of the day I'll just spend with self-hatred and you know all that stuff yeah yeah but in Puerto Rico people are relying on you so you got up you did what you had to do and even though the work was hard, you saw the results right away. So when you're in a leadership role, you've got to think creatively all the time within the bounds of the task. And then working with teams and stuff, uh, I don't know. I just felt satisfied. It was the first time, as you say, that I actually felt satisfied with what I was doing. It was the first time where I thought, yeah, this is right. Not Meh, I'm doing this because I'm getting paid, or meh, I'm doing this because society has di di dictated that I climb this particular ladder. This office job is important because it'll lead me to me maybe buying a house, but can I? I'm a millennial, so can I even buy a house? <laughs> so, what's the point in this office job? Instead, fixing other people's houses was so nice. So nice. But um, you say you struggled with being a hermit before. And obviously in Puerto Rico, we had such a lovely, strong community. Have you found that uh, this lockdown has made you recede back in yourself? Or have you managed to apply what you learned in Puerto Rico? Oh, it's so hard because over here, like, I can't see my close friends. I'm just paranoid that they have it here. I'm in New York. I'm in, um, I was in Queens when I first got here. Because right. I quarantined to make sure that I didn't have it. I stayed for almost a month in a friend's basement so that I didn't bring that home. And yeah, that was in Queens. And Queens, until recently, was the number one infected place per capita in the world. Wow. Yeah, so it was it was like really, really bad. It was the most infected city. And at the time, it was also the most deaths. It, it just got now, I guess it lost its position to Brooklyn. So it's like everything is happening here. And it, I have friends that I know that have it. Um, but yeah, it's like almost like forced hermiting in that in that sense. I don't know. It's like, to be honest with you, I used to can't. I told you I canceled a lot of plans or I would just stay home just to take care of myself and just veg out. And I don't know. I just wanted to feel comfortable and yeah. be home in my jammies type of shit. Totally, I totally get that. But now, after being there and being super social and open, I wanted to, I wasn't expecting to come back. Yeah. You know, the program ended in 48 hours, base was packed up, and we had to make our way back to wherever we are. They're not responsible anymore. I was supposed to be out there until late May or early June. So that changed. I was expecting to come back here and get ready to like, oh, I want to be super social. I want to see my friends and I want to do events. I wanted to start to, to get things going. And yeah, now it's, it's kind of forced where we, we can't. Because you're a musician now, right? I'm a freelance DJ and I'm a music artist. I'm working on my first album now. 
I can imagine that that's not easy to be a musician right now because everyone knows how hard the music and entertainment industries have been hit and music especially because all the money now comes from live gigs but at least you have time to write your album i guess which is good i'm I'm definitely gonna take advantage of it it's it's a good time it's a good time mentally i'm in a good space where i'm ready to create and which is good and I feel like I did so much fucking quarantining before that, like, I don't know, I'm, I'm used to it. I think I'm taking it well. I'm all right. As you mentioned, um, you're in New York. So what does the situation look like there? I know you briefly touched on it, but could you give a bit more detail? It's not, it's not good. It's no, not. No. At first, when I got here, it was, it was terrible. No one was wearing uh masks no one was wearing gloves they weren't they were outside they were in groups eventually it started to die down because i go out for car rides nothing can happen to me in the car i'm quarantined yeah. in the car. so i went out in the beginning a lot uh, uh, on car rides and, and lily and i would just stay inside of the car and just drive around that was it and we would see like how people were i got to see like the 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 progression of it and like see how people started to wear masks and gloves and then when i moved back to long island to my family's house now we've been around there and i've been driving around and now we've gotten out to take a walk and we wear gloves we wear masks usually we'll have our hoods on covering our our hair and all that stuff and and we maintain our distance from everybody but in Long Island, there's two places where it's been really bad. One specific city that I was in, in Queens, no one had a mask on. And it was already fucking April when it's like everyone super hurt. People are dying. And then in Long Island, no one has a mask on. No one. No one. And we passed by this park. We wanted to see if it was empty. It was super jam-packed. There was people like right next to each other. No mask, no protection, and they're like in hordes. It's crazy. Like people are still dropping dead this moment. It's not over. This isn't done. Far from it. Far from it. It doesn't help when you've got a president who uh, tells you to shove a torch in your mouth and uh, inject yourself with disinfectant. This is a joke. (laughs) This is a joke. This is ridiculous. Man, that guy. He's making us look like a like a TV show, really. I think people know that it's him. He's not alone. There's a lot of people over here that are like, you know, they're not they're not the brightest in the bunch. Um, that they're doing a lot of things that are that are hurting us. But at the same time, you know, while it's hurting us, I think that it's also gonna build resistance and it's gonna build people that are gonna want change because we're not just going to let the country go straight down the toilet. How are you dealing with it? How, what's going on with you? Yeah, I mean, because I'm an introvert, it's not too different for me. When I first arrived, I quarantined for 14 days with Jamie. And then a week or so after, I started getting cold-like flu symptoms. And because we live with his elderly parents, we can't take any risks. And I know that this was sinusitis because I've had sinusitis quite a lot. But yeah, as I said, we don't want to take any risks. So I was isolated from him and them here in this makeshift studio for 14 days. And that was tough. That's when I started getting sleep anxiety and cabin fever and all that kind of stuff. Because obviously being with Jamie is um, is great. And, and we're so grateful to be back together because we got engaged just before I left for Puerto Rico and we hadn't envisaged to seeing each other 
four months on end because, as you know, I was planning to travel for two years. So, you know, there's some upsides to this, of course. But yeah, we're we're just being very, very careful because we want to make sure that his parents will be all right. How about you? How is it being back with your family? Same. They're like super paranoid. I mean, for, for good reason. You know, they, they don't want me going out, even in the car. They don't understand that I can stay in the car. They're like, why are you going out? You know, are you even being careful? You know, you could be bringing back stuff, but it's like literally we're just in the car. There's no risk. And then like just being super paranoid with cleaning each and every single piece of everything. A- anything that's coming in new, like I have to sit down in the garage. I have my hot zone, which yeah. is crazy because we like literally got trained. We got trained to do that. And understand bacteria and how to properly like keep it like contained, which was beautiful which was great so yeah i have my hot zone and i take out my groceries there and i just like literally disinfect like one by one that's it do you have a full hazmat suit as well (laughs) listen we don't know how long this is gonna go on if things could get worse you know of course we have faith and we have hope that it won't but until then if things get extreme and we do need to go outside and, you know, this becomes like serious and a lot of people are infected and it's still a chance of, of, of dying. We have no cure. Then I will go outside in my damn hazmat suit. <laughs> in my hazmat suit with my mask on, with my gloves, I will come back and, you know, we know the drill. Just to give a bit of context, what Andrew is talking about in terms of we've been trained for this is that we had to do... Uh, something called SANI. So the way that the home repair process went was that we first identified the leaks, then we fixed the leaks on the roof. And then the last most important job was SANI, which was to go inside the house and kill the mold. It was a long process that required us to wear full-on hazmat suits, gloves, masks, goggles, helmet, you name it. We were fully kitted out, sweating in the hot Puerto Rican sun for for hours on end i miss it though i miss it a lot it was really nice too um especially the community and the work we did i think i i I would want to do that at least for a little bit more a a couple of months more if it opens back up this ends i would want to volunteer again it was very it was nice i would consider even like taking it full-time and like actually becoming staff i would like to do it for a little bit totally are there any lessons you learned out there about managing your depression and mental health that you can apply now? That I learned in Puerto Rico. I've been I've been dealing with this for a long time, so I, I don't know if I got anything new. I think that the, the things that I took the most away from over there was like helping people and being more around the community. Mm-hmm. And it's just a shame because at this moment, I want to be around more community, which is definitely a lesson for helping with that. So the things I learned there to cope with it, I can't use at the moment. Because to be honest, like, if it wasn't for this, I would still want to be, like, volunteering. Yeah. And I want to volunteer. It kind of sucks because I don't know if you remember that through All Hands, they sent me to to a program in Yauco. So they sent me to that cooking program, World Central uh, Kitchen, that provides free meals for people in need around the world, depending on what the you know need is. And they have that here because New York is so effective. So they actually have it in almost every borough here in New York. And I want to volunteer with them. I know it would make me happy because 
you know, it's nice to make music and all that, but there's still this grim reality that's going on behind us. And I, I want to be doing something. I want to go and volunteer right now for them, but I, I kind of can't. Because I can't risk bringing that home. And my dad is 70. My mom is 69. My dad's a diabetic. My sister's just like my whole family's in that house. You know, I came back to protect them. The only reason I even came back is I wanted to just find something to do in Puerto Rico and stay. Yeah, yeah. And um, I came back just in case, like, if things get at the end, you know, I have to be here for my family. So I can't, I can't volunteer. So it's kind of on a hold for now what I learned in Puerto Rico, but, um, but I'm waiting. Yeah, I'm the same. I volunteered to be part of a volunteers program that the National Health Service over here is providing, where you can just call, be on call for lonely people in lockdown during this time. But because my addresses didn't match my you know, my address that's linked to all of my documents, which is my London address, and my lockdown address didn't match. Uh, the computer basically said no. <laughs> so there was no way of me doing that. Uh, and my aunt recently let me know of a soup kitchen that I could volunteer at, not far from where I am in lockdown. But that comes with its own risks. And because we are being so careful about not putting Jamie's parents in any harm's way. It's something I would have to make sure that he's comfortable with, they're comfortable with, and finally I'm comfortable with. So it is tricky. Right now, yeah. to be honest, you know, not stuff I learned in Puerto Rico. I became a fatty. That makes me happy. That helps me cope. Eating, man. Oh. Tell me about it. I just ate a whole pack of crisps. Yes. I, I, my belly is like, I, I, I don't know, I'm maybe four months now. I think I'm like four months. I'm coming along. A healthy, a healthy food, healthy food, ba- uh, food baby. Is it kicking yet? Not yet, not yet. I'm happy it hasn't kicked yet. But yeah, uh, eating has made me happier. I smoke. I smoke, Um, you know, I smoke cannabis. That's fine. It's legal where you are. No, it's not. Not in New York. Oh, is it not? No, in California it is. In Colorado it is. In certain states it is. Here, I think they, the oils are, are legal for medical purposes, but that helps me for my own thing. And then just kind of like setting little goals in the house for little things to do, little projects. Even if it's something small, like just working on a closet or fixing the garage and getting stuff done for my music stuff. I've been I've been organizing all my DJ like uh, collection and getting myself prepped because I do want to start doing live sets and, and I want to put out my music too. That's all keeping me going. That's what's keeping me going. And your album, what kind of music can people expect from it? It has no genre. Because the thing <laughs> is, like, the, the album is, 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 um, is made up of the most important things that have happened to me ever in my life, the most significant moments that stood out to me. And each of them have their own feeling. Like where I grew up when I was in my earlier years, like that one's a poetry piece that's about the block that I grew up on. That one is poetry slash kind of hip hop, but still like 
poetry. I have another piece that's all dancey, reggae, kind of like, you know, booties grinding and stuff like that. <laughs> that. I have another one that's alternative rock. That one's like guitars and drums and fuck everybody kind of crazy. <laughs> so each of them, yeah, each of them represent like a different thing. So I think people can expect to hear who I am. I don't think anyone's going to expect for all the sounds that are going to be coming out because they're all very diverse. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But it's coming along pretty cool. That's awesome. And uh, I guess it helps you to express things and work through some of your mental health issues. It helps a bunch. It's good. I want to kind of move on from my past, and I think that's a great way. Like, I want to put down all the great things and then use that to fuel my future. Yeah, I find that with depression, I mean, it's a cliche, but it's true that you look in the past a lot and you hold regret and regret is a very heavy burden you look at all the what ifs and yeah it's because you feel as you said you feel this vacancy this gap and you're trying to fill it with with where the where the mistakes were what went wrong in the past to make you feel this way instead of looking forwards and building a future for future Vika and yeah. Andrew. That's why I want to do that. I want to just leave that there and then speak my peace on all oh, the right. bad things and all the good things too, because then sometimes I feel like the biggest or best moments that I had when I was younger are like what I look at as like the highest thing that I've ever been. Like, oh, I missed the time when I was throwing parties and I had like a whole bunch of attendees or I missed when I was top of the game in management and this is and like it doesn't let me become the best of who i am now so i want to leave all of that there like all right that was great you know that was terrible whatever bad memories and good memories and then that's it like it's time to to be here yeah. it's my, my own weird process of of uh of moving forward it's not weird it's just how you process it yeah but it's just taking long though i've been a super like weird perfectionist tell me about it oh I've, I've been prolonging it so i'm like uh, i gotta i gotta put a little bit more time in yeah i know how you feel because i've been writing a novel for a number of years now and with each edit you know this, for example this time around the change that i want to make is such a drastic one it's a small one but it's such a drastic one that it's going to require a whole rewrite of the novel. And that stems from me wanting this to be perfect up to my standards. On the other hand, the prospect of making such a big change and rewriting the whole thing is such that I can't bring myself to do it right now. Yep, that's how it goes. You revisit when you're ready and, you know. But you were saying that there were loads of people in the park and stuff. So I know that, that the present president hasn't put forward any national policies on lockdown and quarantine. But I understand that all the states are taking their own measures. What are the lockdown rules in the in New York State like, if if any? Or are people just left to their own devices? 8 p.m. is the cutoff point. Like after that, they can start questioning you, but it's still not super strict. You can still drive around. You're supposed to only be going out if you want for like a walk or you can go out. You can go out, but you have to practice uh, social distancing. You, you have to be six feet away from people. You get a $1,000 fine if you violate. Now it's become the law in New York that you have to wear a face mask when you're outside at all times. 
that's it and really it's very loose too like there isn't officers going throughout the park like making sure that everyone's wearing face masks you know so that's not being enforced there's no heavier police presence basically no and there's a lot of people that are are, are gathering in groups and they're not wearing masks and you know it's not going too great you know the numbers are declining a little bit but it's just like I just feel like we're all waiting for this to end so quickly, but I, I don't know. The numbers haven't gone away. Like, it's still here. Yeah, I think you're right. I think people are desperate for this to be over by the summer. But without a vaccine, I'm not sure how that's going to happen. I think it's about to get crazy now, especially here. It's it's getting warm. And New York plus warm. I can only imagine. I mean, London, when it's hot, is unbearable. So Not only that it's unbearable, it, like, gets people itching to go outside they're like dying to go outside and then just to be raw like a lot of people are probably super sexually frustrated if they're single people are like going nuts inside their house there's also parents that are dealing with children right now that they're not used to being around all day you know this is a lot and people are gonna want to go out i don't know i hope that there isn't like a surge again like a second wave i don't know I don't have the best um, hopes right now for New York because once it gets warm, everyone wants to just go outside and get crazy. Yeah, in London, we have this saying, um, sun's out, tits out, because when the sun comes out, everyone is stopping. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, like, <laughs> sun is coming out and so is everything else. We'll wait and see. That's all yeah. we can do. Wait, see. Be careful. I'm happy. I'm happy you're okay. I'm happy Jamie's okay. Your family's all right. You know, I'm grateful. I'm happy that we're alive and that we have everything we need. to go to my closing questions are you okay with that sure. what do you miss most about pre-isolation about pre-isolation that's the thing like we were just in puerto rico i miss the sun and being out and the energy of people having a good time and not worried about this and people not it's just isolation comes with everything else like it just comes with oh man right before this was like an incredible time Oh, absolutely. So I would say like, yeah, I just miss people. I miss human contact. I miss a hug. I miss laughter. I miss a high five. I don't know. It was, it was just so nice. The program that we were into, that was a beautiful experience. I can't wait to have that back. I hope that comes back. Yeah, I just want to see friends and feel like everything. It's not going to go back to normal, but I do miss human contact. Yeah. What are you most grateful for during this time? Has this time allowed you to do things you weren't able to do previously? I'm grateful to be united with my family right now. I have everything I need. Like I said, I have food, I have water, I have cannabis. <laughs> so I have everything I need. I'm also grateful to like really like pay attention to, to what I'm getting accomplished. And, you know, there's no excuse. I mean, there is in the sense that I do have to care about myself psychologically. And I don't have to force myself to be productive. But in a way, it almost does force you to be productive and like, you know, so I'm grateful for that, too, that I feel like my music stuff is getting completed. My relationship with my family is becoming stronger. 
And I'm also grateful that it's, it's making me recognize the really, truly, like, important things, like, the core of what what I truly need to, like, live a good life. And what are those? Food, water, shelter, family, love, happiness, movement. Oh, and um, this is a new question, but is, is there anything you've discovered recently that uh, helps you keep good spirits for example one of my friends who was on this podcast most recently he goes on to sophie alice bexter's instagram page she's a british pop star where she hosts discos live discos on friday night and i do a virtual pub quiz with friends every friday night is there anything like that that you've discovered either that you're either a celebrity has started or that one of your friends has started that you do oh yeah 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 have you ever heard of jackbox.tv no i haven't okay well jackbox.tv is like a really really cool game it's like a virtual game kind of like cards against humanity similar to that but except it's on your tv and you're playing from your phone and all of you guys are logged in and you put in your answers and then you don't know who put the answers. You vote for it virtually, like on the phone. Yeah. Super fun. So that's that's the only thing that I've done that is virtual. And then this, which is cool also, which is, and congratulations on your new show. I'm very happy for you. Thank you. Very happy much. like doing this, you know, and the fact that it's like truly unscripted and you could just go off and you're just having people here like come and be themselves. Like that's really, really cool. I started experimenting too. I started recording my voice, like just talking about random stuff. I've been trying that out with Lily. We'll just have our random things. Like an audio diary? Yeah, yeah. Nice. So a lot of good things are going to come out of this too. You know, a lot of bad things are happening, but yeah. you know, we're going to evolve. What is the first thing you'll do after all of this is over? The first thing after all of this is over? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The first thing, like the first day that like it's officially like all clear. Yeah. Woohoo! <laughs> Straight naked down the street. <laughs> I mean, you're, you know, that's, it depends because it really depends on how long this goes. If it's now, I'll be content with like just going out to like a club and dancing and having drinks. But I mean, if this goes on a long time, my answer might change to something a little bit more outrageous. <laughs> well, um, yeah, definitely keep me posted. Yeah, so finally, what is your number one survival tip? At this moment? Yeah. So protection, like, from the virus, or you're talking about, like, from mental? Uh, I'm talking about on a mental level. On a mental level? I think that the most powerful thing that anybody that suffers from any mental illness or any anything going on in your mind is to really pay attention to yourself follow your instinct accept yourself accept your thoughts accept even if they're negative accept that it's a real thing that you're feeling and give yourself time to process it and move through it as naturally as you can just like have it on your mind in the back of your mind that you want to get out of this place but then also accept the way that you naturally can get out of it. Don't force yourself. Nothing lasts forever. Time will heal it. Even if it's years, months, days, it could be tomorrow. Just give yourself time to follow what you know is right. Because you, I feel like the person that can always fix a problem, I mean, of course, it helps for like friends and people you love. But just 
accept yourself and, and follow your instinct. I agree with that. But just to add to it, I don't know if you get this, but for whatever reason, whatever hard wiring gone wrong, I will usually get a toxic thought as an alarm bell to actually mean something else that's wrong with me. So it's like a misfire. For example, the toxic thought out of nowhere might be, I hate myself. And what it's actually trying to tell me is you're tired. <laughs> it's not obvious, but it's all about not paying any attention to the message of the alarm, but just to to the fact that it's gone off itself and to bring yourself back to the body and really evaluate what's wrong. Are you feeling tired? Are you hungry? Did whatever situation that you were in at that particular moment, did it trigger something that's made you fearful? Everything like that, that that misfire doesn't communicate right away. And I just thought I'd say it because it took me a bloody long time to figure that out myself. Right? Literally like, hello, this is what's wrong. Look, the oil, it's the oil. It's like, why? Why is there an indicator going off? Why happening to me? The indicator, why is there an indicator? And it's like, the indicator's like, this is what it is. And you're like, but why? Why is it still going off? What is its purpose? It says it right there. That's, you have to learn that. Well, Andrew, thank you so, so much for doing this with me. I'm so grateful to you. And it's so nice to see your face. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for everything out there, too. For everybody who doesn't know, like, Vika and me worked together in, in a volunteer program, and she was the supervisor on site, assistant team leader, and also the, the head one also. And she taught me, trained me, and also, like, I got to tell her a lot of what I was going through with my thoughts and depression and other things I was battling with in Puerto Rico. And she helped me out a ton. She spoke to me. She was She just listened a lot. And I'm glad that I had you there because you definitely helped me to like get through a really rough patch that I was going through in Puerto Rico. And you helped me so much. So I'm very grateful for your friendship. I'm grateful for you as a person. And I'm happy that you're safe and healthy. That's the end of the fifth episode. I can't believe it's already been five episodes. Thanks again to all of you who have stuck it out every week. Contribute to the Instagram conversations and just in general, keep this podcast alive and kicking. I wanted to mention something that I forgot to mention in the intro. You would have heard a lot of background noises in Andrew's audio. And that was because he was in his car having accompanied his friend who needed to go to the eye doctor. Again, just displaying his, which really displays his generosity and automatic instinct in his to help others. Andrew is really such a sweet and caring guy. I actually cut out my thanks to him at the end of the episode because it was a series of incomprehensible warbles as he moved me with his kind words. There are links in the description below to all of Andrew's social media, etc., where you can access his music and be in the know as to when his album comes out, and also any live streams. If you are suffering from any of the issues raised in this episode, please see the links in the description below. You'll also find there the link to my Instagram page where you can let me know what you took away from this episode. Tune in next week as I talk to someone I've known for close to 16 years, my fiancé's best friend and musical partner, Carlos. We usually see him every day, so it will be nice to catch up with him and talk about the difficulties of being a musician before and during lockdown, its effects on his mental health and how he dealt with it then and now. 
Finally, as always, I want to thank my sister Zhenya for the logo and constant support with this podcast, my fiancé Jamie for composing the theme tune and adding that all-important final touch to the audio. You can discover more of their talents on their Instagram pages, links in the description below. And of course, Andrew, not only for generously giving his time to this little podcast, but also for being a pillar of resilience for me, himself, Lily and his family. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it and that you'll join me again next week at home in the mind. <laughs>